want you to kind of stay with me just for a minute, um, that God has us in a series called Adjusting uh, My Vision, Adjusting My Vision, and I want us to go to Ephesians, the second chapter, Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. Get your Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. We are traveling through the book of Ephesians. Um, but there is a word from the Lord on this morning. Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. Amen. Ephesians 2, beginning at verse number one. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, y'all say all of us, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, somebody say, but God, is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believe. God saved you by his grace when you believed. He, he saved you by his grace when you spoke in tongues. That ain't what that Bible say. God saved you by his grace when you shouted all over the church. That ain't what it say. It says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward, verse 9, for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want to preach and teach from this subject for a few minutes. He's adjusting how I see my story. He's adjusting how I see my story. You know, when 2020 was approaching, you saw all these memes and you saw all these, you know, you knew it was coming. Um, you know, every year the preacher, the pastor has a quick saying for the word, for the word that is that year. So, you know, you're alive in 2005 and, you know, you had a, a rhyme that you had to put with it. But by the time we got to 2020, we knew what was coming, that it was going to be about vision, that you had to get your vision together. And, and in the midst of praying about 
the vision in 2020, God told me that he said, I'm not giving, hear this, the people at Freedom Vision, they already got that. He said, I need to adjust their vision because sometimes what they're looking at ain't really what they're looking at. I believe that God is adjusting our vision, listen to this, to ensure that our focus is not just on eyesight, catch this, but insight. Say that again. He, he's, not, he's not adjusting our vision to focus on eyesight. You see the job. You see the house. You see the car. That, that's eyesight. That's, that's vision. But God says, I'm adjusting your vision not for your eyesight but for your insight. We, we, want, a, we want vision to see what next step we should take. But we don't want insight to see what attitudes we're carrying that keeps us from the steps. Mm. We, we want to see how to get from point A to point B, but we'd rather not have insight that shows us that point A and point B is not a part of God's plan for our life. It just feeds our ego. Touch, uh, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, he coming for us today. And God is trying to adjust our vision to the place that we stop looking, but we looking at everybody else and everybody else's issues. And we start looking on the inside so that we can see what God is doing in me. Uh, I could get some money, but it's something about when God changes your mind. I could, I could get a honey, but it's something about when God changes how you feel about yourself. Because that's when God gets you to a place that insight starts changing you from the inside out. I don't need a change from the outside. I need a change from the inside. I need God to go down on the inside of me and do something amazing on the inside so that when you see me from five years from now, you can look at me and say, I don't know what it is about you, but something has changed in your life. Look at somebody say, that's insight. That's insight. God is saying, I'm adjusting your vision to the place that you stop looking for everyone else's failure and you get some insight to see your own dysfunctions. That's why I said, creating me a clean heart. Created me, create, created me, create, created me, created me, touch yourself, created me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. I'm tired of trying to change everybody else because I've just I've learned I can't change nobody, but the best person that I can change is myself. Is there anybody here that know that God can change you from the inside out? That the person you're looking at today is not the person I used to be long time ago, but is there anybody here that could give God just about three seconds of praise? That God done brought you a mighty long way because he done changed you from the inside out. And if we're going to get insight on how we see our story, we must first recognize that our lives are going to be lived by God's intention. Last week we learned that, that God has a plan for our lives. God has given provision for the plan and he wants us to fulfill our purpose for, uh, for his promise. But as I said last on last week, how you see God will affect how you see yourself. Let me say that again. How you see God will affect how you see yourself. It will affect your self-esteem. It will affect your self-worth. Because if you're not clear on your value in God, the enemy will use our improper view of ourselves against us to attack ourselves. Let me prove it to you. If you look at the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that the tempter tells Eve that the reason why God prohibited you from eating the forbidden fruit was because if you ate it, you would become like God. In other words, watch this. There is something you are missing out on because you don't have this. 
in that the plight of our lives that many of us are struggling with where we are because we feel we are less valuable because we don't have this you walking around here mad at God and feeling sorry for yourself because you ain't got no man honey man don't give you the value you got to have value before you find a man out of which I ain't got nobody right there uh, a million dollars in the bank don't give you value because I've seen people with a lot of money but ain't got a worth a cents worth a nickel and is there anybody in here that say my value has to be greater than what's on the external my value has to be on the inside ah uh, see that's what the, the, the tempter did to Eve he made her think that there's something you're lacking uh, in your life that makes you feel in, inadequate and the lie was that when they were already more adequate without what they thought they had but when you can't see that you are created in the image and the likeness of God when you can't see that you have fellowship with God when you can't see that you have access with God you will devalue your life and undervalue what God is doing in your life but when you value your life and what God is doing you will reject the lies and resist the actions that destroy the life that God has for in mind for you that's why depression couldn't hold you in 2019 because you started to see your value that's why low self-esteem couldn't fool you any longer because you started to see your value that's why suicide couldn't take you out because between the tears and the fear God showed me that my life might not be perfect but it has some value and I need the people in here that's been through some depression that's been through some fear that's been through some worry that you can lift up your hands and tell God thank you for showing me my value because that didn't hold me any longer when I started to see my value in God that is why Paul writes this letter in two sections Section chapter 1 through 3, Paul deals with what you should believe as a Christian. And Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, he deals with what you should believe as a Christian. Chapters 4 through 6, Paul deals with how you should behave as a, as a Christian. Because Paul understands, I got to get straight what you believe before I can deal with your behavior. Mm -hmm. I can't get your behavior to change if I can't get your belief system to change. I can't get you to stop spending all your money if you don't believe that money is important for your future. So you will eat up all your money instead of putting it in the bank. I got to change your belief system. And God has changed somebody's belief system around here to realize that God's way is the best way. I some trust in horses and others trust in chariots, but I will just remember the name of the Lord. Come on, let's go ahead. Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run therein and they are safe. He had to change my belief system. I started to believe he was a healer. I started to believe he's a way maker. I started to believe he is a door opener. I started to believe that he'll bring me out of every situation that I'm going going through is there anybody in here that came to give God a little bit of praise because he changed your belief system and when he changed what I believe my behavior started changing that's why that's why believe it or not as secret as it's kept watch this that's why you must have a relationship with Jesus because a real relationship with Jesus anchors you with an understanding of who you are when you believe God's definition of you, you can't be pulled so easily by external forces or external factors that seek to redefine who you are. When you believe, are y'all with me this morning? When you believe God's de definition of who you are, you do less second guessing of yourself. And you don't rely on self-confidence, but you rely on God confidence. When you believe God's definition of who you are, you do less dummying down uh, uh, of who you are to fit in with people you ain't supposed to fit in with. I refuse 
choose to sacrifice my individuality for likability. Y'all don't like me this morning, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. And what Paul is trying to show us is that you got to get the definition of who you are straight. Because when you realize who you are in God, can't no enemy whisper in your ear and make you feel bad about yourself. When you know, when you get the definition that God has over your life, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender, not a borrower. I'm uh, Listen, I'm in charge and I'm always going to win. And is there anybody in here that say, I'm tired of listening to what the devil got to say about me? I'm tired of what my insecurities got to say about me? I believe what the word says about me. I am the head and not the tail. I am healed. I am delivered. I am an overcomer. I am a more than conqueror. Is there anybody in here that knows your definition of who God made you? What Paul is trying to show us in our text is that our value is tied, watch this, our value is tied to the greatness of our salvation. That our salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says no one can take credit for salvation because it's a gift from God. It's an expression of God's grace. The unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor of God has been directed towards us. And the reason we have value is not because I have a nice house. The reason we have value is not because we got a fancy car. The reason we have value is not because we got a six-figure salary. But our value is tied to the fact, watch this, that God shields us from destructive things that we should experience. Somebody say, that's mercy. And God provides things that we should not experience. Somebody say, that's grace. See, my sin should have me in a worse state than I really am. Okay, I don't have nobody right there. But I know some of y'all so sanctimonious, you so sanctified. I know you came out the womb speaking in tongues. You got everything right. But is there anybody that could just agree like your pastor that say, I'm jacked up, toe up from the flow up. And if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of God on my life, honey, I would have been lost a long time ago. Uh, I should have got death. I should have been strung out. I should have some disease. I should have gone crazy. I should have about 17 children. But but the grace and mercy of God covered me. And I need to know, is there anybody? See, you still being too cute. I can't stand stuck up Christians that act like you got it all together. You got a nice outfit. But honey, behind the outfit, hell is up in there. Foolishness is up in there. Drama is up. Okay. Behind the weave, crazy is up in there. And is there anybody in here that say, God, I thank you that you didn't allow my craziness to take me out. I need somebody in here to shout for the grace and the mercy of God on your life. Open your mouth and tell God, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. All right, all right, I'm going to work now. I'm going to work now. All right, all right, let me put it like this. See, when I was growing up, I broke a vase, and I expected that by the time my mama got home, I was going to get a beating. But, 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 I was expecting that I was going to get a beating. So, so because I broke the vase, I was expecting to get a beating. Watch this. I started cleaning up the house. Because I felt if I messed up, at least she started cleaning up the house, and she would have mercy on me. Mercy is I didn't get what I should have deserved. That's, that, that's what's mercy. But when, my, when I broke the vase and my mama came home and she saw that the vase was broken, watch this. She looked at it and said, be careful next time. And the next morning, because, you know, my mama was a secret assassin. You know, she, she, she acted like wasn't nothing wrong, but she'll get you later. You know, she remembers all wrongs. I know she didn't get that scripture right. She remembers all wrongs. And she'll drug back up something that happened a long time ago and say, I remember when you did 
this three weeks ago, and you didn't think I was going to get you then, but I'm going to get you now. Watch this. But when my mama woke up the next morning after me breaking the vase, watch this, she treated me as if I had done nothing wrong. That's grace. You missed it. Mercy means I should have got the whipping, but you didn't give it to me. But grace means I should have got the whipping, you didn't give it to me, and you treated me like I never broke the vase. And I need to know, is there anybody in here that can give God glory? Because you done broke a lot of vases in your life, but when you look back at what God has done for you, it was nothing but the grace of God on your life. Somebody open up your mouth and tell God, thank you for your grace. And in this passage of scripture, essentially Paul describes a very clear and vivid detail of what was happening in our lives before we got saved, how we got saved, and what God wants to do in our lives after we get saved. Uh, what you just read, verse 1 through 10, shows us uh, what we were like before we got saved, how we got saved, and what he wants to do in our life after we get saved. See, my praise this morning is that God has given me a life I don't deserve. Okay. I know you work 40 hours, but the reality is somebody's more qualified than you at your job. Okay, I ain't got nobody over here. I'm going to come over here, see if I got any honest people. I know, I know you fine as wine. But the reality is you shouldn't have the relationship that you have because you good and crazy. You certifiable. You check crazy, you know, and, and God bless you anyway. Okay, I got the wrong side. Let me go in the back. Is there anybody in here that know you got a life that you don't deserve and nobody else gets the glory but God? When I look at where he brought me from and I look at what I drive and I look at the house I live in, God has blessed me with more than I ever expected. I know you want to walk around here upset that you got overlooked for the promotion, but the truth of the matter is you weren't even qualified for the job but God keeps giving you money every two Fridays that's more than enough to take care of you and how dare you come into his house and won't give him his praise because you live better than what you deserve I need to take a pause for the cause and find out is there anybody in here that can give God glory that he gives you more than what you deserve somebody open up your mouth and give God glory that he give you a life you don't deserve So in verses 1 through 3, Paul describes a state that we were in. Come on, let's go. Before salvation. Everybody say before salvation. And he uses three analogies. I'm going to do this quickly. Verse 1 says that, number one, we were dead. Let the church say dead. We were dead, King James, trespasses in trespasses and sins. Not a physical death, but a metaphorical sense because we were alienated from the one who gives life. And when you're alienated from the one who gives life, you dead. Why are you dead? Because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Come on, I need you to know a little bit of scripture. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It means that we were unable to respond to God's truth because we were dead. It's like if you went down to a cemetery right now, I don't care how much you call everybody's name on the tombstone, a dead person wouldn't be able to even hear, understand, or comprehend the things you would be saying. And because of our sin, before salvation, we were dead. 
and God had to breathe the breath of life within us so that we could respond to spiritual truth. God used salvation, watch this, to wake us up so that the dead in Christ can rise. And are there any people in here that God had to bring you back from the brink of death, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God brought you back to life. Now I got to go ahead and go on the other side of this because I need you, to see, need you to see what God showed me about this. God says, when I brought you back to life, I woke you up. That's what God did with your story. Here we go. He had to send something to wake you up out of the dead place that you were in. The dead job, watch this, was a, the, the job that had to come to an end, it died, was a wake-up call that the job that you were in was not God's promise for your life. I know y'all don't like this, but we're going to go here. The dead relationship you were in was your wake-up call that God has someone that loved you with no strings attached. God help me. The dead friendship was your wake-up call that you can't fly with eagles when you scratching at the ground with chickens. I realized that the trial I had to go through, God sent it as a wake-up call for me to come alive. I told you not to touch your neighbor, but look at them real good with an attitude and tell them to words tell them come alive why are you sitting around here with dead stuff and dead situations and dead people when God says I need you to come alive I got a life that's worth living I got something better for you I got something greater for your life I need you to look at somebody else and tell them come alive baby Number one, he said, you were dead. Here's number two, you were disobedient. Verse two, Paul says, you were disobedient. He says, we were in a bad, jacked up shape before Jesus Christ came in. We were disobedient, living the lives of indulging of the flesh. Our minds were set on doing whatever we felt was good. We lived our lives according to the pattern of this world. We were tied up in sensualism. Our, our disobedience was focused on materialism. We were only concerned about how much money we can make. We lived out humanism, putting ourselves above anything else and then Paul says we were following the ways of the devil because of all this so our disobedience was influenced by three factors y'all ready for this our disobedience was influenced by three factors what were the three factors the world our flesh and the devil okay let me say that again the world our flesh and the devil if we be honest can I just can I just teach this the way I need to teach this we have watched this spiritual PTSD Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me lay this out. We have spiritual PTSD. You know why? Because what you survived has, res has, as a result of the sin you were in, has given you post-traumatic. <sighs> you, 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 you on edge all the time. Because the reality is you didn't survive some stuff you know you should not have survived. Here we go. Um, disobedience. That's why God needs us to forgive ourselves for the mistakes we made. And this is hard, ladies and gentlemen, this is hard because we can't forgive ourselves because it's like trying to release something that feels like it's a part of us. Have you ever done something so long that when God tries to tell you to stop doing it, it feels like you're dying? I don't have no honest people this morning. I mean, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever tried to really get rid of a bad attitude? I mean, it feels like somebody killing you. You, you want to respond. 
but the Holy Ghost sitting on you. I, I'm, I'm, you know, some of y'all are so fake this morning. It's all right. I'm going to talk to the real people this morning. Can I talk to the real people in the morning? Have you ever had the Holy Ghost sit on you so bad that he wanted you to keep your mouth closed and tears started welling up in your eyes? I wish I was talking to some real people this morning. Oh, God, because when God starts to change you, we have rehearsed our story so long and the memory still lives in our mind that we've built our identity around the story we've told and the memory that's in our mind. Our whole identity is built around this. My mama had an attitude. All of us didn't. We was rough. We just talked like that in our house. The devil is a liar. God trying to change you from all that foolishness. God's saying, I got something better than what your mama had. And if you could ever just let me get a hold of you and change you from the inside, I know it feel like you dying I know it feel like you got tears coming out your eyes I know it hurt every time you got to tell yourself no but God said I'm trying to deliver you here we go from the moment and the memory God help me that's why Jesus said the comforter the Holy Ghost will come and teach you all things bringing to your memory all that I have said because I got to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus you need the Holy Ghost and get in, grab your mind and change you from the inside because the memory and the mistake is holding you hostage. I know you in 2020, but not you, your neighbor, still in 2017. Because they have not forgiven themselves of a mistake they made. They still holding on to something that happened in 2011. And they have not moved from that moment. Do me a favor. Touch them on their back. Say, neighbor, God says he's delivering you from the moment and the memory. God, I wish I had somebody right there. It hurt, but he's delivered me from the moment. It hurt, but he's delivered me from the memory of it. And what I used to cry over, I ain't going to cry over it no more because God has delivered me from the inside. Are there any delivered people in this house that know that God brought you out of some stuff that when you thought about it, it changed you? It would change your whole spirit. It would change your whole mood. But now when you look at it, now you say, thank you. Because God, what used to hurt, don't hurt me like that no more. He delivered me from the moment and the memory. Watch this. The third thing Paul says that before Christ we were depraved. Everybody say depraved. He says the reason why we did things, these things, because watch this, it was in our nature. It was in our nature. I've said this before, but you need to hear it again. You know, Jesus can be in your heart, but your granddaddy is in your bones. It's your nature. Can I, let, me, let me push this. I, I've, I've thought about this, but I didn't write it, but I hear the Holy Ghost say, and say this. That's why you got to be careful about always saying praise to the universe. I thank the universe. Because the universe means nature. And my Bible says he's delivering you from your nature. And the moment you keep kind of trying to go back to the universe, something that was created and not the creator, you are locking yourself into a place that God is trying to deliver you from. Honey, I don't think no universe. I thank God. 
I wish I had somebody right there. I know some of y'all think that's cute. You done picked up because you woke, but you better go back to sleep and realize that God is the one that delivered you. Honey, the universe ain't do nothing for me. It was God that came and stepped in. It was God that delivered my mind. It was God that kept me in the midnight hour. It was God that held me in the storm. It was God that delivered me from the hurt and the pain. It was it wasn't no universe. I need the blood washed, redeemed people to give God the praise for what he's done. To God be the glory for the things he has done in my... I wish I had some people right there that didn't mind giving God. I said give God. I said give God. If that's your best, I'll leave you alone. I said give God. I said give not the universe. I said give God. we were depraved because it was in our nature. It means we couldn't help ourselves. Just as a dog's a dog barks, sinners sin. It's in our nature. Paul says this was who we were, and we couldn't control it. We had a nature, a bend, a propensity towards sin. Let's have real talk. Has the Lord tried to deliver you from something, and you thought it was beyond you, and past you? And then all of a sudden, something triggered what you thought was dead. Oh, you don't believe me. When the song was played on the radio, you were triggered. Some of y'all are too just, I don't know what's going on with you today. I guess touching your neighbors affecting you can't be honest without touching your neighbor. But some of y'all know sometimes you, you, you run into stuff that makes you realize you still got some residue from a life you thought you was over. Let's just have real talk. Have you ever uh, been in a relationship with somebody, ended the relationship, moved on, and years later all of a sudden they crossed your mind and when they crossed your mind, you started having images of how good it was, but had amnesia on the hell you had to go through. I wish I had some real people. See, some of y'all ain't being honest. I'm going to talk to real people this morning that sometimes God will let some things happen for you to realize that there's something still in your nature I got to work on and I got to get you to a place that I get you beyond what's on the inside of your spirit. Ah, it's in me. I wish I had some people. See, our church services would be a whole lot better if we walked in the house and said, God, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It ain't my brother. It ain't my neighbor. It ain't the pastor, it ain't the deacon it's me God, I need you to pat yourself and say God it's me, it's some stuff in my nature I need you to handle cause when I think it's over and can I tell you something, watch this when you realize that you are depraved that this thing is in your nature this is where hear me, insecurities are developed are y'all with me this morning? Because when you know how depraved you really were and you're struggling to becoming something greater, the gap between who you were and who you want to be creates insecurity. You know why? Why are you insecure? Because you know you better than anybody else. So the gap between who I am and who I should be creates insecurity. The reason why some of us have not moved forward 
in life is because of our insecurities. I hope you can handle what I'm getting ready to say. I hope you can handle what I'm getting ready to say. Because this is not for everybody. This is for grown people what I'm getting ready to say. This is for grown people. I need you to hear me. This is for grown people. Because not everybody can handle what I'm getting ready to say. God told me to tell some of y'all in 2020, stop praying about your insecurities. Here we go. I need you to hear this. This is for grown people. God doesn't always fix my insecurities. He requires me to say yes to him when I stand next to them. See, I get it. I understand. I get it. Because you want to come to the altar, somebody lay hands on you, and all your insecurity is gone. Honey, every Sunday I stand up, I feel insecure and insufficient as a pastor and a preacher that I ain't got it all together. But I've learned in the midst of my insecurity, I got to stand flat-footed and say, yes, Lord. And I let God fill in the gap for my life. Is there anybody in here that say, I'm grateful to God because I serve a God that fills in my insecurity. See, I ain't got no honest people right there. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. And so you've been churched for so long that you believe that God got to deal with your insecurities in order for you to walk in what you're supposed to walk in. Honey, boo, let me tell you something. In 2020, God said, stop praying about your insecurities. Watch this. The insecurity is there so you can keep on depending on me. Okay, you don't like that. You don't like that. Because if you weren't insecure, you'd walk around here like you could do it on your own. But is there anybody in here that know I'm insecure, but God's still making a way? I'm insecure. I ain't the smartest. I ain't the brightest. I ain't got it all together. I ain't got all the money. I ain't got the best education. But I serve a God that's filling in the insecurity. And I, while I'm standing next to my insecurity, I'm telling them, yes, I need somebody to throw your hands up. And for the next 10 seconds, I need you to say one word. Tell God, yes, 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 yes. I'm not what I should be, but I tell him yes. I don't make all the right decisions, but I'm still telling them yes. And some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you are looking at people and you can't figure out. Watch this, watch this, watch this, because this is what insecurity do to you. You ready? Insecurity will then have you projected onto someone else who you are. Watch this. Because light begets light. You know a familiar spirit. You never notice how all the lies know how to find each other? All the drama field people find all each, each, each other? Because like to get like. Watch your friendship circle. I can tell you who you are by your friends. Here we go. And what you start to do is, watch this, your insecurity then will make you project on the other people who you are. She ain't all that. That's what you think about yourself. And you got to mask it in projection because you don't want anybody else to know you that insecure. Here's the crazy part. Let me blow your mind this time. She knows she ain't all that. But she decided to stand in herself and say, I'm a bad mama jammer. I wish I had somebody right there. Is there anybody in here? I need you in 2020 to realize I'm insecure and I'm still blessed. I'm insecure and I'm still favored. I'm insecure and God's still opening doors. On the count of three, give God the best praise if you're insecure. One, two, three. Hallelujah.
before salvation, you were dead, disobedient, depraved. But the next two words in verse number four blesses me. But God. Somebody say, but God. That no matter what I was before salvation, but God. No matter the mistakes I made, but God. No matter how messed up I, my life was, but God. And then Paul moves on in verse 4 through 7, and Paul lists three things that Jesus did for us whenever we received, come on, we received salvation. What did he do? Number one, he first he made us alive. He moved us from death to life. It was a quickening. It was a resurrection. God made, uh, moved you from death to life. I need to say this. I'm prophesying something, so I need you to hear what the Lord is saying. This message is teaching you what the Bible says, but I'm also prophesying something to you at the same time. God told me to tell you, when he made you alive, this is why some certain people couldn't stay in your life. I don't know who this is for. There's about five of y'all in here. There's some people that were in your life that brought nothing in your life but memories. Somebody, that hit you down in your pinky toe. But when God comes alive, God moves you from memories to a mission. God help me. See, friendship circles will change when you start pursuing mission. This ain't for everybody. But I don't want to keep talking about the good old days. I want to look forward in eager expectation of what's getting ready to happen in my life. If you're going to be in my life, see where I'm headed and not where I came from. Touch your neighbor on their shoulder and say, hey, neighbor, if you're going to be in my life, see where I'm headed and not where I came from. I need people in my life that can see the future and see there's something good that's ahead of me. See, that's where you get people in your life that ain't going to pat you on your back and make you and let you feel sorry for yourself, but they'll push you into your future because I see greatness on the inside of you I see purpose on the inside of you and I refuse to let you sit there stop crying over who left when he made you alive you could no longer head around, hang around dead stuff and you know it was dead how many times are you going to laugh over the same story I'm trying to preach the best I know how. Watch this. Um, so, number one, he made us alive. Number two, he raised us up. He raised us up. And the word raised means to rouse from sleep. It means that we just don't receive life, but we experience resurrection life in Christ. It means that when Christ rose, Christ rose, but our sins didn't. They're buried forever in his grave. It's almost like, um, um, Leia, let me talk to you for a minute. It's almost like when you bake, when you bake a pound cake. <laughs> Here's what I discovered about baking a pound cake. That, watch this, that you can have the right stuff, but if you don't use it the right way, it won't rise. Let me, let me help you. Um, you can have the right number of eggs. But if you don't wait till the eggs get room temperature, if you prematurely mix it, if you put all the eggs in there at the same time, I ain't got no bakers. Y'all ain't seen y'all stove in a long time. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm speaking Chinese to some of y'all. Stove still cold. 
I'm going to do better. Been eating out every day since 2020. See, you can have the right ingredients, but if you don't do it the right way, the cake won't rise. God is trying to say, I'm trying to rise some stuff in your life. But just because you got the right stuff, if you don't use it the right way, I can't make it rise. Okay. Here's what I've discovered. Some of us are hindering our own blessings. You know why? It's going to get real quiet, and it's fine. order for you to be in my life and what you don't realize is that Jesus got a Judas you're here for a specific purpose and if I would have act as if you weren't supposed to be there I would have missed my purpose being emotional so everybody one brain committee. Everybody got to have the same brain. You got to like everybody. You know what I discovered? I don't like everybody at church. <laughs> Leola, they don't like that right there. Because I talked this long time ago. That I can love you and not like you. I wish I had somebody. See, y'all don't like that kind of talk right there because we think we're supposed to be BFFs, but the reality is, listen, I can love you and not like you. Let me talk to some parent in here that say, I birth you, I feed you, I pay the mortgage for you, I love you, but Booger, I don't like you very much right now. And maybe catch about two years from now, maybe I like you, but right now... And you think you got to like everybody. And everybody got to like you. Honey, I don't care if you like me, if you're giving me the loan. We ain't never got to do lunch. You ain't never got to hit me up on social media. Because God got you in my life for a purpose. Look at somebody say, raise up, raise up, raise up, raise up, raise up, raise up. Your, your cake ain't rising because you got the right stuff, but you're doing it in the wrong process. You're so emotional. You post everything. You feel it, you post it. And you never see five years from now an employer is going to look at that page. Look down your road say, raise up, raise up, raise up, raise up. You got the right stuff. You're just doing it in the wrong order. Ooh. Number three, he seated us. I'm, I'm going quickly. He seated us. I want you to notice the tenses of all these verbs. The Bible says he made us alive. He raised us up. He seated us. All these verbs are in the past tense. 
which means God has already done what needs to be done in order to save you. It's a done deal. He's not going to do these things. He's already done these things. I, God told me to preach this. I hope you can receive this word on this morning. God told me to preach that whatever you are waiting on, whatever you are believing him to do in 2020, God told me that whatever he promised over your life, I hope you can look at somebody and say this in a Holy Ghost prophetic way. Look at him and say, it's already done. Oh, God, I wish I had somebody right there. I ain't waiting on it. I, it's already done. All I got to do is put one foot in front of the other because he's prepared a table for me. He already got it waiting on me. I just got to put in the work in order to get the what God got for me. I need somebody in here that can give God a little bit of praise for it already being done. us to verse 10 after he describes what happens before salvation after he describes how he got you saved and now he moves to verse 10 to describe what happens after salvation what happens after salvation the ladies up here going to help me in just a minute but number one he says we are a masterpiece We are a masterpiece. Paul says God that we are God's masterpiece. King James Version says workmanship. It's, it's actually the Greek word. Watch this. This thing messed me up. That's why these ladies are here. Because watch this. It messed me up when I did my study. When I did my study, I realized that word masterpiece, workmanship, is where we get our English word poem. It literally says we are God's it's saying that like a writer is writing and crafting a poem just like a potter is shaping clay on a potter's wheel God is working on us and he is making us into his masterpiece that's what I love about this word my value, my significance and my importance doesn't rest on what I do it resides in whom God has made us to be in fact we don't we don't, we don't do what we do to gain significance and value. We have significance because we are a workmanship, a masterpiece of God. Let me put it like this. If you could paint a picture, if you could paint a picture, you put it in a nice frame, and you try to sell it, you might make a few dollars. But if Pablo Picasso was to paint the same picture, put it in the same frame, the price would be much more than yours because it has everything to do with who the artist is who painted the picture. And our value, ladies and gentlemen, is based on the one who created us. You don't like that, but let me just preach this for a minute. In the midst of him creating great mountains, in the midst of him creating an expanse of ocean, in the midst of him creating the heights of heaven and the fragrance of a rose, preach Philip, and the gentleness of a breeze and the singing of the birds, God stepped back one day and put you on his potter's wheel and he said I want to make you, God help me my masterpiece, that's why the psalmist said what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him you made him a little lower than the angels you crowned him with glory 
glory and honor. You gave him dominion over the works of your hand and you put all things under your feet. I came to tell some insecure, some selfless person, some person with low self-esteem, some person that's been walking around thinking that you are less than. God told me to tell you, you are his masterpiece. When he put you together, you were the best thing he ever made. I need somebody in here to give God a little praise that God made you his masterpiece. you look like when you wake up in the morning you, you know who you really are and God is saying with your bad breath sir with your nasty fence sir with, with, your, with, with your hair that, that you ain't even got none with your dark self with your light self with your big self, with your skinny self, with, with your short self, with your tall self, whatever your self is, God said, I made it, and I made it a masterpiece. God, I wish I had somebody right there. I need somebody in here to stop thinking lower yourself, to stop holding your head down because your mama didn't treat you like you were beautiful and like you were special, like your daddy looked over you. You got a heavenly father that when he framed you, he broke the mold. That when he made you, he made a masterpiece. I need all the masterpieces in this house to throw your head back, open up your mouth, and tell God, thank you for making me a masterpiece. try to do it sitting down, but there's no way in the world I can. <laughs> you are a woman. Do you know what that means? You make stuff happen. Your mere presence shifts atmospheres. And as a woman of God, you can make wrongs right. Walk into any room and wash out darkness with your light. You're a bearer of gifts. You sweat and sassiness exudes like a perfect perfume. You are bad. I thought you knew. 
woman of God, you have given birth to children, and then six weeks later, you back at work. All the while cooking dinner and helping out with homework. And still have enough energy to love your husband. People say, dang. She is the woman. Of course you are a woman of God. Who else did they expect? Only a woman could be as diverse as you. Great sense of humor. Your husband's cheerleader. And oh yeah, you got your degree. You are bad. Soft as suede and tough as leather. Hand on hip. You can change any situation for the better. You're a supernova. Better yet, Jesus is home, girl. You get things done. You're beautifully adorned. You're aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Behold, you are the apple of his eye. God's creation, the illustration of his handiwork. Value worth, far more than rubies, masterfully composed. You're worth more than gold. You're flawless. Even your errors are correct. You can stand erect. Even when beaten down, you can't help but bounce back because you're so precise, so exact, so seamless, so flawless that even your imperfections are perfected by the one who made you. He orders your steps and he directs them. So be without limits, for we are women of God and that is what we do. Voluptuous and beautiful, curved so deep. Occasionally people will stop and take a peek, for you are a woman of God. No better yet, you're Mother Earth. You keep the world spinning. You can be Mother Nature, possessing the ability to produce mere life. You could be Joyce Myers, enjoying everyday life. Or even Claire Huxtable, you know, Cliff's wife. You are Thelma Evans, and with you, woman of God, there is no direction but up. You are Oprah, you color in shades of purple. Gloria Copeland, Jesus is Lord. You're Florence Jefferson, and baby, you're beyond dynamite. You are Mary, carrier of Jesus, the one who saved us all you are a woman of God, a woman of freedom church. Be without limits. We got it all. We're women of God. Masterpieces. Touch yourself. Say, I'm a masterpiece. Number two, he said he made us for good works. In other words, works are not a requirement for salvation, but rather they are a result of our salvation. He says these works were prepared beforehand for us to walk in them, which means God has given you a purpose. He's given you a spiritual gift. He's given you something specific that he wants you to do. He did not save you to sit, but he saved you to serve. I came to tell somebody, it's time to work your good. I need somebody to say, I'm a good work. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to work your good. You spent so much time working what's bad. Now God wants you to work what is good. You spent so much time in 2019 talking about what's bad and what didn't work. God said, I prepared you for good works. There's something good I got for you to do. In fact, I hope you can receive this this morning, that somebody can receive this, that God said in 2020, you're going to be fruitful. Uh, you're going to let you gonna have fruit on your vine. You're gonna have, I wish I had somebody right there that say, what well, I'm going to put my hands to and the good Good work he got for me. I'm going to have fruit by the end of 2020. I wish I had somebody right here. Watch this. And here's the danger of when you start working your good work. Here's where you messed up and where I messed up in 2019. God prepares you for good work. And he starts loading stuff on you to do. You know what we did? We started coming ready? Here's what I told the Lord. And maybe you said this. You're more spiritual than I am. You're more saved than I am. So you didn't say 
I said this. I said, Lord, I can't take no more. And the Lord said, really? Watch this. Can I just, I hope you can receive this. You said that in 2017. And that's why 2018 and 2019 looked exactly the same. Because when you told the Lord, I can't take no more, he stopped sending more. But I need somebody here to lift your hands and say, Lord, I repent. I repent before you. Whatever you got for me, I'm ready to handle it. I'm not going to shut down my blessing another day because of the words that come out my mouth. Come on, April. Is there anybody in here that say the life, the power of life and death is in your tongue? I need you to lift your hands and say, God, send me more. I'm ready for it. Whatever you put me to do, I'm going to do it and do it well. And by the time I get done doing it, I'm going to have fruit on my vine. I need somebody in here that say, God, I'm ready for more. Because of the master's peace, we are a masterpiece. Uh, earth is memorized my Apologies. But, um, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, he made us, he saved us, he keeps us. All right? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God created heaven and earth. There was nobody. In Christ Jesus, when he suffered, he did it alone. There was nobody. Unto good works in need of the Holy Ghost, Mary, Mary checked the grave and there was no body. In the beginning, God created, God moved, God saved, God saw, God divided, God called. Reflection of his glory, our lives bear his story. But history will say Adam's way would separate confusing love and faith. He loves me, he loves me not. Why doesn't my first love love me back? I'm addicted to his touch, therefore addicted to his lust. So fine to me, what a sight to see. Addicted to his taste, the way he handles my waist, he holds me strong. But when I'm with him, I can only do wrong. Doing things in secret, but it can't be hidden. Let's face it, I'm sinning. Why does fruit taste so good when it's forbidden? God's wondering where I am, because when I'm in sin, I'm going from him. Since I love sin so much, he became that. That's when Yahweh turned his back. 30 pieces of silver. The cost of a slave, age 30, started ministry, 33, got up from the grave, born of a virgin. When they saw him, they fell down and worshipped him, seeing him for who he really is. Glory from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, crown of thorns on his head, but you don't want your thorn in the flesh. Hair of wool, don't be a fool, apple of his eye, ears given to hear, come here, runaway bride, your husband is near. Lost in the world, you've lost your identity, cheating with your first love, your first love friend of an enemy. Remaining his foe, he was tied to a post, back exposed, gave his back to the smiters, cheeks to them that plucked his hair, liars. Hid not his face from shame and spitting. See, he is forgiving. Made heaven and earth by his great power and stretched out arm unto us a child is born. Hand not too short, hand not too short that it cannot save. Nail pierced hands, I don't have to see the grave. Legs not broken, feet pierced, my sheep can hear. Adam's side was open. For women, Jesus' side was open for the church. Talk about church hurt, weight of the body. The church hung till suffocation. No man take my life, I gave it. It was for your sanctification. Blood drained, now blood stained, covered by his life that remains. Sweat drops of blood, fell jailed, stripped him. Scarlet robe for sale, nailed, holding keys to death and hell. Tore down the veil, salvation from the Father through the Son by the Spirit. Good works can't produce it, a product of it, so you don't become useless. Disfigured clay, failing to seek his face, who invited grace? Let her in, there's no 
She's here to help men, not worried about the world's rejection. With grace, there's an exception, and the beloved is your reflection of greater works in his acceptance. As a sheep dependent on shepherds, protection, weary not in well-doing, seems like your enemy is pursuing. You don't have to hang Judas. Judas will hang himself. He's already in ruin. Walking as the light, your actions should reflect Christ. Bring every work into judgment. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Seek his face until you find his feet. Every knee. His works have enabled thee for greater works than these. The last thing Paul says, watch this. You're made a masterpiece. You're made for good works. But the last thing he says is that he made you to walk. To walk. Verse 10, it says he made you to walk. Watch this came to talk to somebody that in 2020 it is your job to walk out what God put in you hope you're ready for this God is saying no more excuses I need you to say that out your mouth no more excuses no more excuses this is what the Lord did for me he said Philip you look too short term Stop planning for one year. On April 10th of this year, I'll be 40 years old. And the Lord said to me, he said, plan for the next decade. Stop giving me a minute dream. Stop giving me small stuff. I need you to see your life in the next decade. Plan for 2030. Because if you got a plan for 2030, watch this. Stop beating yourself up over the small stuff. Okay, I want you to get this. God made the world. Watch this. He says, the Bible says, He made it in six days, made the world, made man, and on the seventh day, He rested, right? First day, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And there's something you miss every single time. The Lord says, and it was good. Watch this. I said this at the window yesterday, and I need you to get this. He said it was good before he was done. He called something incomplete good. He was one-fifth done with what he was supposed to do. And he stepped back and said it was good. And you mad because your life didn't come together in three months? You can't even celebrate the small steps. You beating yourself up over what you think you should do by snapping your finger. And your creator didn't even do that. I know I told you not to touch your knee. But your, need, your neighbor needs some encouragement this morning because they need to realize that whatever st small step you made needs to be celebrated. I, see, here's the thing. You want all your debts paid off. And because you started paying them off, 
and they all didn't get paid off, you got discouraged and gave up along the way. But when was the last time you threw a party for a small step? Can I tell you what Sunday morning is? Sunday morning is a time to celebrate the small steps. Okay. I ain't got no real people, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I'm celebrating this morning because I cussed a little bit less than I did the week before. I need to go ahead and see y'all. I ain't got no real people. I'm celebrating that I text them back, but I didn't go over to their house. I'll get to celebrate the smile. I ain't got no real people here this morning. I wish I had some real people that say, I'm learning how to celebrate the small steps and step back and say, it is good. Can you be satisfied celebrating what is incomplete? You know what's our problem? You know what's our problem? We get divorced because the man don't act right in a year and a half. I know I just sat on somebody right over here <laughs> and because he don't get right in a year and a half you see this trash sitting here you don't you don't smell this why didn't you take out the trash i am so sick of this i'm tired of talking about this why you didn't take this out this don't make no sense but he made you breakfast yeah, yeah, uh-huh, where your praise now, uh-huh, I know that's right, pastor, because you ain't had nobody making you breakfast before, but now you got somebody that made you breakfast. You better celebrate the small steps. Mm-hmm, write it down. He says, I saved you. Watch this. You're a masterpiece. You're created for good works, and I created you to walk in it. This walk is a series of steps that lead up to where I'm taking you, which means you ain't going to get it all right now. Can I help you? What you're dreaming about, even if he gave it to you right now, you would lose it all because you wouldn't know how to handle it. Some of you don't need to be married. You don't need the Mercedes. You don't need the promotion. You stressed out now and can't even praise God in church. And now you want more? And God is saying, how can I give you more if you can't praise me in the midst of what ain't working out the way you thought it was working out? Watch this. You don't hear this. You, you don't hear me. See, I, I, I wasn't done. All I made was the light. And I said it was good but I wasn't finished yet. I need you to take 10 seconds and look at all the incomplete things in your life and celebrate what God has done because if it, even if it's not done, what he has already done deserves the praise and the glory for what he's done in my life. I need somebody in here that's saying, this year, I'm going to take step by step and if my bills ain't paid off, my debt ain't paid off by December 31st on January 1, 2021, I'm going to celebrate whatever was paid off. I'm going to give God glory for the small I need somebody in here to open your mouth and tell God thank you
Bowser's Walk. Amen. Everybody say break free. Break free. Say break free. I used to be a prisoner to my comfort zone until I accepted God's will concerning my life. An overwhelming fear used to consume me and I was afraid to fiercely tap into my light. Not quite sure of who I was or even who I had the potential to be. So I tried to get in where I didn't fit in but the spirit refused to cooperate with me. So see, we can run but we can't hide from the greatness inside. And you ain't truly living into your life And you ain't truly living until you're. See, I was going to do another one. Oh, God, tell me to do this one. I'm going to do this one for the ladies. I flex the muscles near both ends of my mouth, and I smile. I smile because I'm so proud of the woman that I've become. I smile because I now face everything I used to run from. I smile because no weapon formed against me prospered. I smile because everything that tried to conquer me, I conquered. I smile because I didn't get bitter, I got better. I smile because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and I'm in the whosoever. I smile because I've been hurt in relationships and I got through it. I smile because I no longer cower when I see a mountain, now I speak to it. I smile because I have a beautiful family, whom of which reminds me daily of God's grace. I smile because everything I thought was a loss, God replaced. I smile because I know the stone throwers hate it. I smile because I am fearfully and wonderfully created. I smile because I don't want my haters to ever think they have an effect. I smile because God has been so good to me the last time I checked. I smile because I'm blessed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I smile because I know God to be a keeper and I'm thankful to him for keeping me. I smile because I released all the negative people in my life out. I smile because no matter how much I've been through, I still have a lot to smile about. I smile because I didn't get infected. I smile because God's grace and mercy covered me when I went unprotected. I smile because I didn't get what I deserved. I smile because when I couldn't find comfort in man, I found peace in the word. I smile because there was a time when I couldn't look at my reflection. I smile because now I embrace all my imperfections. I smile because I'm one of God's most precious jewels. I smile because he transformed all my enemies into footstools. I smile because I know God to be I smile because I know God to be love and protection. I smile because he changed my life. So when you see me smiling, know that I have joy, and it's only because I endured through the night. I smile. God bless you. Girl, that was what you were supposed to do. Can we give it up for these three awesome, come on, women. Come on, can we give it up? Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Everybody keep standing. I'm done. We're done. Listen, I need you to understand that God spoke over your life through this word, through this spoken word on this morning. 
to change your story, how you see your story. You went through what you went through because God was doing something on the inside of you that was greater than where you were. That's what I love about God. God builds you in such a way that what you go through ain't for right now. It's for later. And God is saying, hear me. I need you to change how you see your story. Don't see the hurt and don't see the pain as if it was punishment. See it as part of the process. See it that I had to take you through it because I was doing something extra special in your life. I don't know who this word is for on this morning, but God is saying, I'm trying to get you to see yourself differently. No more walking around with your head hung down. No more walking around feeling sorry for yourself. You survived depression. You, you survived suicide. You survived the breaking. Change how you see your story. Stop looking at what you went through as a limitation. See it as something that came to empower you and make you better. I'm going to do this real quick, and we're going to be out of here. First, I want to offer someone in here an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. What I talked about this morning is who you were before salvation, how you got saved, and what God did after salvation. But it means nothing if you don't surrender your heart to the Lord. My brother, my sister, you're standing around people that had to make a decision one day. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I got to give him my life. So my brother, my sister, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care where you are in life. God wants you to surrender your heart to him this morning. I'm going to count to three. I need you to step out your row and meet me on this altar saying, Pastor, I want to surrender my heart to the Lord. I want to leave here knowing that I know him for real and he knows me. I don't want to play the church game. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. My brother, my sister, he said, all you got to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. Ain't nobody got to lay hands on you. You ain't got to fall out of no ground. You ain't got to roll in no floor. It is a knowing that I am his and he is mine. Secondly, if you need a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom. A place you can grow and mature in God. I, I know it don't seem like it because everybody trying to tell you that the black church and the church is over and, you know, oh, you know, the church is a, a thing of the past. But I believe I'm going to have some people that's standing around you right now that can lift up their hand as a testimony and say, when I joined this church, it was one of the best decisions I ever made for my life. Because I needed to be in covenant. I needed to be somewhere where I'm fed the word of God. I needed to be somewhere where God can grow me and develop me. And I ain't perfect, but I'm a long way from where I used to be. God said, I don't want you dating the church. I need you to make a commitment. You need to be planted in the house of God. So my brother, my sister, if it's to surrender your heart to the Lord, or if it's to join this church, I'm going to count to three. 
I want you to move out of your row and meet me on this altar. I just want to pray with you. You ain't got time to be scared. You ain't got time to be afraid. I cast fear aside right now in the name of Jesus. Can't hold you any longer. Forget what these people think about you. It don't even matter what they think. Ain't no judgment nowhere around here. We all got a past. Come on. And if we be honest, we all got a present. But I'm in church so it can help me with my future. So I'm going to count to three. I want you to start moving. Today is your day. He's calling you. As I'm talking, there's something on the inside of you that's moving, that's flipping over, saying, you know he's talking to you. Don't let this moment pass you by. Come on, let's do it. I hope the saints are praying. One, God loves you. Two, today can be the best day of your life. Let's do it if I'm talking to you. Are you ready? Come on. One, two, three. Start moving if I'm talking to you. Come on, start moving. Don't sit there. Don't allow another week to pass by. Don't sit there. God is calling you. Come on, wherever you are, I need you to start moving. If I'm talking to you, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, if I'm talking to you, I feel somebody in here. And I need you to move out your seat and meet me on this altar. Come on. Don't leave here the same way that you came. The enemy wants you to stay bound. The enemy wants you to stay tied up. But he's calling you, my brother. He's calling you, my sister. That's it, my sister. Come on. That's it. I wish y'all would wake up in here. Somebody's soul is on the line. Come on, is there another? Come on, is there another? I feel you in here. Come on. Usually I'd move on, but God holding me up just for you. Come on. If I'm talking to you, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, I need y'all to break up this atmosphere. Hallelujah. Come on, my brother, my sister. If I'm talking to you, God is calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. That's it. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, is there another? Come on, is there another? He's calling you. He's calling you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. If he's calling you, I need you to move now. Hallelujah. And we bless you. And we thank you. Stretch your hands this way. Father, I thank you for my sisters that have come to this altar that are making a decision, God, to surrender to you, God. They're taking all their plans and they're laying them at your feet. God, they're saying you are in control. So, God, as I lay my hands on them, God, I pray a refreshing in their spirit, a refreshing in their heart, a refreshing in their mind. Take control, God, now as they surrender to you. And I thank you and I praise you for what you're getting ready to do in their life. Devil, you are mad because you wanted them to stay in the pew and be bound. But whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So, God, we thank you now for freedom. And we bless you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Come on, shake the roof off this place with praise. Come on. Come on, celebrate like that. This is your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
You can be seated in the presence of the Lord as we get ready to give at this time. I want you to prepare yourself to give at this time. The envelope is in the seat in front of you. Let's give on today. Freedom, don't forget, we are giving towards our vision, $50 above tithes and offerings. Come on, we need to get the two, uh, $2,500 in vision every month. So I need you to sacrificially give on this morning. I need you to sacrificially give on this morning as we are giving towards our vision. We can't stay here too much longer. Amen. I said we can't stay here too much longer. Amen. So we got to move. We got to go. And so we need your support. We need your help. Amen. In giving. First of all, let's give the tithe. First of all, let's give the tithe. The Bible says if you give the tithe, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. Is there anybody here that can just testify that no, tithing works? It works. God will take care of you. God will provide for you. And God says, give me the tithe. Trust me and see. Put me to the test and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And then after you give the tithe, let's sacrificially give towards the vision. $50 above tithes and offerings in the month. Each month, we want to give towards the vision because we got to move from here. Amen. Our children's rooms are flowing over. Amen. And we need to go. Amen. And so we're believing God for more and greater. And so we're giving it a year. We're throwing a whole year at giving.